You're listening to the Our Eerie Podcast with Lydia Leith, Devonna Paisley, and Marty Wachuku. This series will bring citizens, entrepreneurs, activists, politicians, artists, and thought leaders to the table for a frank discussion around societal issues facing our post-industrial city and the United States at large. Take a seat. This week, we're going to be um, talking to Caesar Westbrook, who is a local artist here in Erie. But right now, we're currently reacting to some local news. Um, this is one of the first times we've actually reacted Ooh. to something that's happening in a moment outside of the election. Um, yes. This week, there was a city council meeting where, you know, us being three women, we were upset seeing how one of our fellow councilwomen was treated. So actually, hey, listen for yourself and hear how that went. Mm. Number one and new business. Resolved by the City Council of the City of Erie that the proper city officials are authorized and directed to designate a portion of Hess Avenue between East 10th to East 12th as Bruce Bauman Way in honor of Bruce Bauman and his outstanding public service and longtime supporter, player, and champion of Erie softball. Bruce was inducted into the Metro Erie Sports Hall of Fame in 2007. Discussion? Yeah, I separated that, and I'm sorry that certain people on the dais are unhappy with me sponsoring this for Bruce Bowman. Uh, if you looked at the agenda, it wasn't a surprise because uh, it was put on the agenda. Uh, was it Thursday or Friday, Larry? I don't know. If some people had a problem with it. I would think they would have brought it forward instead of... Uh, Hitting me in the back of the head with it. Uh, you know, why don't you identify me as the person instead of Everybody saying something? You're the nut. Why don't you back Come on, up? Up. I'm the person. You are ruining a wonderful tribute to a great guy because you can't. And I told you that I said Bruce is Keep a great guy. Shut. Anyway, to I'll stop talking now because I don't want to take anything away. The softball players that came to us with this have said that they would pay for any signs. So financial situations are not a problem. Uh, Bruce, rest happily. Thank you. Boy, that bro can press buttons, can't she? Voting on the resolution, Mrs. Allen. Mrs. Allen, Mr. Burns. I'm sorry, did somebody just call me abroad? No, you aren't even there. What did you just say I'm about not. somebody pressing Nothing. buttons? Order, order, council. Hey, I'm not going to be in order the... if somebody's calling a woman oh. abroad. None of your business, lady. Oh my God! <laughs> enough, enough, guys. Voting on the resolution, Ms. Allen, Mr. Brennan, Mr. Brzezinski, Mr. So, for context, there, um, City Council has been working on a process for which people can get streets named after people who have passed and they hadn't yet resolved that issue and it was suggested to um, name the street after a former softball coach so um, and then you heard what happened so um, ladies what, like, what was your reaction you know reading Liz Allen's post or seeing someone else react to that and you know seeing what was going on this week 
I mean, we all have a lot of feelings. <laughs> okay. So I think I need to take a deep breath before I explain how I feel. Um, before I even cry, probably I'll cry. Cause first this, I'm always crying, but anyway, um, I I'm very, I'm very perturbed. Um, I feel very angry. Um, I'm disappointed. I'm ashamed. Uh, those are all the, uh, things that I feel I'm hurt. I will say hurt too. Um, mm -hmm. those are all the things that I feel when I think about what happened, when I hear what happened, when I see what, um, Ms. Liz Allen posted what, what council person Liz Allen posted, this is not the first time though, that she's gotten this abuse. And I'm going to say abuse because nobody ever defends her when this happens. There's nobody that ever says this is not right. And, and I'm talking about when it comes to actually being in front of us, like us seeing this at city council meetings or us seeing this in person, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, well, we probably took care of it behind closed doors. We reprimand it. I don't care about that. What I care about is actually getting the, the, the point where somebody is defending her. They're saying, listen, this is not right. And honestly, taking him off city council, because this is not the first time that council person Brzezinski has spoken to Councilperson Liz Allen. So I'm angry because I'm wondering why leadership is not being vigilant on something that is so toxic. And it shows you a lot of the problems that we have in our city when it comes to toxic behavior. And this is literally another example of that and the misogyny and the way that women are treated in the workforce. And so many, like, this is literally, I'm, I'm actually kind of happy this happened. I'm really happy that this has been uh, broadcasted in a way where of course they have to do the live sessions and put that out there. But I'm glad this happened because we needed to see the toxicity. We needed to see that this person, not, oh, not just this person, the people that are on leadership who are laughing at the end mm. of, her saying, is somebody really calling me that? And nobody said, you know what, Liz, that is not right. That's not this. We should, we are going to rectify this situation for you. Please order nothing. I'm so flabbergasted by that. I can't even. So, the yeah. only, the only time that they, uh, that he called for order was when Liz started talking, not when, not when True. Ed was saying, yes. you know, uh, all the things about her being nuts or calling her abroad, you know, and, and saying that, you know, you're not even there, which like, yeah, I don't want to say triggered, but like, it definitely brought back very real, very recent memories for me on current Washington Township Council, um, but also just like throughout my life where mm. people, particularly older white men, have spoken to people like this yeah. Yeah. and it it's a different it's <sighs> it takes you back in time it yeah. does like it feels I, was, I was raised to think that women can be anything and do anything and be treated equally but I was aware that in the past women were not treated that way mm -hmm. so listen to Brzezinski calling her broad and nuts and this and that. I'm like oh this is what it was like to be back then but it's crazy I thought this was 2020 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's not even the disagreement between equals. And I think that's what you like. 
in this day and age, I don't expect everyone to agree all the time. I don't have a problem with people raising their voices at each other because they are both passionate about an issue that they disagree on. Like, I'm not offended by that. What I am offended by is like this idea that somehow she is not his equal. And the way he was talking to her, he clearly did not see her as an equal on council. Hmm. The way he said, doesn't this broad know how to press buttons or, you know, you're not even there. You're not even there. (laughs) That one just keeps ringing in my ears hearing him say, you're not even there. What does that mean? He's saying he, she isn't a woman. I don't, I don't know. know. I think it just means like, you're not even like, you don't even matter. You're not even there. Yeah. You're not even there. Hmm. And that's wild because, you know, that's something that's our perspective. That's what we're hearing, but that's what it, it really feels that way. Hmm. I'm, I mean, I don't know what, how Miss, how uh, Miss Liz Allen took that. All I know is I'm just sitting here like, what what are y'all gonna do? And I'm gonna speak out the I'm I'm gonna speak out to the, the leadership that was there. What are y'all gonna do to rectify the situation? Because at the end of the day, like I'm looking at, you know, how our city is supposed to be just looked at as a welcoming place, um, mm-hmm. how our city is supposed to be looked at as a diverse place, um, equitable, and how we're supposed to be a community that's thriving, a community of choice, a community of opportunity. And then you see city council and you see the complete opposite. <laughs> and uh, it's Wait, crazy. The irony. Yeah, it's the and irony. I have it's... not said anything. This is this is right. Friday. That was Wednesday. Right. The mayor was on there. Mm-hmm. Um, Winarski is the council president. Granted, I have been, you have been, Devonna, in meetings where yes. Winarski talked just yes. with Alan. Even if you, you're not, you know, a presiding lead, there were a whole bunch of people there who did not step up and yeah. say, this is wrong. Yeah. And, you know, I was upset hearing Brzezinski say what he was saying, but I was more upset with the people who said nothing mm-hmm. and more upset with Witherspoon who was sitting there cracking up. Yeah. This it was not a funny situation at all, no. but it's funny to them to see a woman belittled that way. Cause yeah. even in that small moment, it put, it put her in her place, parentheses, you know? Mm-hmm. And what does that communicate to us as young adult women, let alone children? Like when I watch them, like, okay, so I know who exactly I'm dealing with in this city. I know exactly how they feel about women and they don't take us seriously mm-hmm. and they don't want to really hear from us because they're treating Liz Allen, who's well into her adulthood that way. How are they going to treat us? Mm-hmm. Right. right. And mind you, mind you on city council, I believe that Liz Allen does a great job. She is one of the pillars that is really keeping that, um, keeping city council um, I believe floating as far as really being a person who is transparent for our community. I mean, honestly, when I look at um, the city council, I think there's a lack of transparency. But the one thing that I really applaud Liz Allen for is being a transparent person, um, for being transparent, even about the experience that she had. She really honestly tried to spin it and make it not spin it. I will say on her Instagram, I mean, on her uh, Facebook, she, you know, she wrote a long article about the man that, um, was going that is one that people want to honor and give a street to she already wrote an article she already stated that she's honored this person just wanted a different process want a due process which she's always asked for a due process in all in all situations when it comes to city council and so i applaud liz allen um, when you listen or if you listen to us that i applaud you for being a council person who honestly stands up for the community who really researches What's going on? She, she is homework. Yeah, she like does her homework. Someone doing their homework. Okay. I mean, the woman is on top of the game. So I mean, for real, for real, 
I'm, I'm proud of her for being, for being so honestly, so strong. I know it's probably not easy to be mm -hmm. sitting on city council with people that don't defend you, people that don't see you as a teammate, a player, a, a team player uh, in this situation. I, that's hard. I don't, I, I do. I know what that feels like to be a person who rocks the boat at a job and, um, you know, gets looked at as being a person who's abrupt or too, you know, outspoken, I'm gonna do it. And I feel like Liz Allen did it and she did it in her way. And I really just applauded for, for at least trying to take a stand for how she feels, honestly. Isn't even rocking the boat though? Like anytime I have watched yeah, Liz that's true. Allen on city council, she's usually just asking for like a right. process or for yeah. things to make right. sense. That's true. They get right. so upset with her for that. Right. Yeah. Right. I and was you know, I said rock the boat because then maybe that and, you know, think about that. That's insecurity on my level, because when you think about as a woman, as a woman who has as outspoken, as a woman who really has all these ideas, as a woman who's really like we got fire behind us, we oftentimes get looked at as being too much, being abrupt, rocking the boat. And so maybe I'm using I'm using that verbiage because that has been used towards me. Cause that's how in people our society. Yes. In our, in our society. So, you know, let me, you're right. Let me reframe mm -hmm. that because that's, that's so true. Mm -hmm. You know, just because somebody's asking for things to be done in a, the right way or for our process to happen, mm -hmm. why does she have to be looked at as difficult? Which I, I really hate that. I really right. do. Well, I, really I think it's so ironic too, just like listening to the words again and hearing Ed be so, uh, passive aggressive and so weak, mm. like truly so weak. It's very weak to say, you know, certain people are unhappy. You know, some people had a problem hit me in the back of the head. Like, so he, he is being passive aggressive while claiming that someone else was being passive aggressive. Like, Oh, they should have just said something. They, they hit me in the back of the head with it. They blindsided me by this. But then when Liz tries to make it an adult conversation mm -hmm. between equal adults, like, let's just talk about it as it is. Like, if you're talking about me, say it's me. I'm not ashamed of this. Like, right. let's talk about it. And then he gets all defensive and it, mm -hmm. like it calls her nuts, calls her abroad. So she's not even there. Like, I'm sorry. She was just creating a, an adult conversation. Absolutely. <laughs> like from zero to 60. Yeah. And it's crazy because you wonder like, if you're disrespecting her like that on live, like, oh my God, what no, happened? well, even if he's even aware that it's used that they're doing <laughs> this live, mm -hmm. um, but if you're disrespecting her like that, what are you saying behind closed doors? What are you saying to her? How are the meetings going if we're not there as constituents watching? Like I'm interested in just how people talk to her and are interacting with her outside of this mm -hmm. privately. That's the scary thing. Right. Um, well, my thing is she like challenges them. Like she asks questions. Yes. All that's the only right. reason. Like you might take issue with the way she. I don't know. Carries. I don't even. I don't even. I don't know. I don't know well, because she's not syrupy, sweet little old lady. Yeah. Like let me bake you cookies and ask no. sweet <laughs> questions and be really nice and petite and small and quiet. No. That God forbid she come in guns blazing, ready to fight and ready to just ask a question like a human being, yeah. like how women are told to, you know, be softer, be quieter, be, you mm -hmm. know, more meek, be more, you know, yeah, polite or more respectful or whatever. I think too, like if she's rocking the boat, imagine what they think we're like, are we, are we sinking the boat? Like, what are we doing? And then how would they talk to us or about us? And also like people are watching. 
Yes. Again, going back to like all these people that like, regardless of what they were saying, but what they weren't saying and what they weren't doing and Mm -hmm. all the smiles and smirks and giggles and just silence too. Like all the people that were straight faced and silent in this. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And Devana, your point about this being a welcoming, like literally the irony in the same week, the same week. No, it was the day after. Literally the day after. Yeah. Like, like within that same. Oh my God time period we were declared the city of Erie was declared a welcoming city Mm. and then this happens on council and the people that worked so hard to get Erie to become a welcoming city are doing nothing no that doesn't performative anyway like we we are as organizers are on the ground and know like what is going on day to day and the normal but it was like so hopeful to me I felt hopeful I saw that I was like great now we have we okay we're a welcoming city let's hold ourselves to that let's be accountable to that let's do that you you say you want to do that let's do it because real work is more though than checking the boxes it absolutely sorry and if your actions can't can't match that then like then yeah what is the point is it performative? And, and like, then you need to unpack that as a leader. If you're not willing to make yourself uncomfortable and say, you know what, that's not okay. But it was coming from, that's why it takes so much issue more than even Brigazinski saying what he was saying with everyone around that. Same. Like that, there was no leaders in that room. I, you, you can't say you're a leader and watch something like that happen and not say anything. Mm. Mm-hmm. It amazes me that between the mayor, between the president of the council, you don't have to even be recognized as the head of anything. All the other people around there who sat there, whether it was the clerk or her fellow. Right, or the, yeah, like the person that was going to make, like, continue with the conversation and was calling for the vote. I thought, wow, that's really interesting that, like, amidst all that crap that was just spewed, you're going to be like, okay, so now let's have a vote. And no other workplace, too. I feel like I can say for my word, please, if someone acted no, that it way. it would be so unacceptable. Yeah. So unacceptable. It's wild because, you know, when you look at Liz, Liz, her being disrespected, Liz Allen being disrespected, you almost wonder, well, dang, what do you think about the constituents of your of your city? Because well, we have if you're going to, right, if you're going to disrespect her, then that means you disrespecting us. Right. I feel disrespected because that's a person, like I said, on city council that is being super who is super, super involved with the community, who is who is an advocate for the community and you disrespected her. So when you do that, that means you're disrespecting the community. You're disrespecting her as much. I don't know. It's just like, it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm just, I'm really mm. there. When people were coming to city council in June and August, in July and August in response to like the you know the protests going on around the country and saying and after our own protest seeing an officer kick down a woman saying we need to hold police officers accountable Brzezinski was one of those people who was saying how can you from the public show up and tell us what we have to do and they're ridiculous and this and this so it's not surprising to see him also talk to his fellow co-worker that way mm-hmm. Witherspoon mm. last year was up there on city council talking about he wanted to fight someone when they were disrespecting um council I can't. Sonia Arrington. So I just. But it's young people who are not qualified. Respectful than this older generation that was supposed to be raised a certain way. I don't understand. I don't understand. Right. right. And I, it's crazy because it's like, well, we, it's like, but, but there's young people who really were on running, you know, and I even included myself. We were fighting for a seat, not to just have a seat. Mm-hmm. Like we were fighting to want to make some change, to really want to bring uh, some integrity, um, some governance. And I think when you look at, when you look at, when I look at city council and I see who's sitting up there, I'm like, 
okay, well, what are you doing though? Because that was your opportunity to show leadership, to show a different side of what we felt has been happening. That was like the opportunity to show something different and nobody showed me different. And I'm Some really- Some of them are happy up there just naming streets after people and giving right. awards to- Well, it's the children. same people that are in higher elected offices that are happy with just like naming, you know, memorial holidays for different things that like, that's the most that they can, like, yeah. There's people that get into this to do nothing. Wow. To do the that easy work so and to not do the, the heavy lifting. But, but I at least pretend that you have some kind of sense. I yeah. cannot believe publicly on the internet in 2020, he's talked that way to Liz Allen. Girl, he's I can't. For the city. Like, think about how that communicated. I'm upset. You're both upset. Like, I was upset. Women. Right. Like, I know, I don't know. Sometimes at the intersection of being like black and a woman, I feel like there's more oppression being black. But mm -hmm. that moment reminded me, like, women still have so much to oh, do. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You better say it. Same for me. I was like, okay, I think about being a young Black woman, but I'm like, at the end of the day, this is literally about women, you know what I'm saying, in general. Like, it's it's something we're still really struggling with, which is really sad because women are paving the way for a lot of things. We're creating a lot of different avenues and bringing so many people to the table. I mean, I look at Stacey Abrams and her, her mm -hmm. leadership in Georgia and look at how, just how dope it has been, you know? And I just think when you see situations like this in Erie, who is a place that's literally, we're struggling to figure out where, what next step we're trying to take as a city, you know what I'm saying? And then you see these things and you see city council kind of just literally stuck in mm -hmm. 1950s. And you're like, is this 2020? Like, I'm confused. Like, how like you said, I, I'm just, I'm upset. The leadership is but, not in 2020 by yeah. any. No, no, absolutely not. Right. We don't. I'm upset, but. Right. Yeah. We don't talk that way. No, and, and I just like want to be clear. Like, we don't talk that way for so many different reasons. Absolutely. Like, we don't demean and degrade a woman for just being a woman and asking a question or for being direct. Right. Women are allowed to have a seat at the table and are allowed to ask questions and be direct and they don't need to beat around the bush. Awesome. Uh, on top of that, as someone, as a social worker who has worked mm -hmm. in like the mental health field for a long time, like I'm also not okay with someone being called nuts, especially okay. a woman being called nuts because women have been mm. pathologized and have been called nuts when they've had very real, very valid feelings about their oppression and about their mistreatment and they're called hysteric or they're called nuts. And, and that is a legacy of, of our, our country and of our communities that we need to clearly still confront because it's still happening. But like, we don't do this. We as a community are better than, than Ed Brzezinski. Yes. And we deserve better. Yeah. <laughs> For real. We deserve better. Um, so all I have to say is, you know, March coming up, some seeds coming up mm -hmm. and uh, people are going to be feeling one fill those seats. Yeah. That's all I have to say. There, we are going to do the work to get. Yeah. And we're going to work, do some, do the work. Um, and so that's just all I have to say at this moment yeah. because yeah. I, yeah. Well, it's and I, I think in thinking about the conversation that we're, we're about to have with someone as amazing as Caesar Westbrook and the conversation yeah. that we had with him too, that I just think is like, yes, the conversation we had that, that people are about to hear 
was so hopeful. There is so much great stuff happening in Erie. There are so many great people, so many amazing, hopeful, thoughtful, compassionate, qualified people. People like Caesar Westbrook should run for council. People like Devonna Paisley should run for council. People okay. like, you know, the people we've talked to on this podcast, I would gladly see in positions of leadership throughout our communities because those people know what it's like to be a person in this community. Mm-hmm. And clearly, given the behavior of so many different people on council or in leadership that were present, they don't know. They clearly do not know what this community is about. They don't know how to talk like this community or to talk about this community and and just basic human respect and decency. Mm -hmm. So moving into this next conversation, I think it's important to pay attention to the people we talk to that bring us hope, that bring us joy, that bring us feeling of of unity, of, of belonging, of respect, of, you know, equity, you know, if we're going to be a welcoming city, then like we need to be embracing people that make it feel welcoming. And there were so many people there that didn't make it feel welcoming. So, you know, whether it's listening to Caesar Westbrook talk about his art and all the things that he's doing for the community or other people that we talk to on a daily basis, I think we can all be paying attention more and then supporting those people and encouraging them to take more leadership because it's people um, like that, the people that bring us hope and joy and equity and, and inclusion that should be in these positions, not these people that are stuck in the fifties. So if you are like us upset by the way that councilman Ed Brzezinski treated Liz Allen, you can do something about it. You can make your voice heard. Send a letter to the editor to the Erie Times newspaper. You're gonna send it to letters at timesnews.com. You're gonna leave your name and address and phone number and then write your reaction and what you want the community to hear for 250 to 300 words. Do something, say something, let the community know that you do not stand for this kind of misogyny and eerie. have a special guest today we have caesar westbrook i'm excited to be here and uh to be a part of it so for sure well caesar i'm personally familiar with you because there was um maybe a year or two ago i went to a gallery night and your work was displayed at i actually don't remember the name of the business but it's right next to paca at, at attic rehab yeah, yeah. They're no, they're no longer there, which is unfortunate. But yeah, um, that was their first. I was there. They just had a space open up next to them that they, you know, got re, like redecorated and everything like that. And so I was like their first artist in that new space. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, wow. it, was, it was a really nice space. Um, really good show too. Yeah, I remember. I think that night you had a piece. You had a few artists, I believe, you portrayed. I think I remember Prince. Mm-hmm. and maybe one other female artist I can't think of who particularly oh um Aretha Franklin yeah 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 I thought it was her but I didn't want to be wrong oh you're fine yeah it was Aretha um I did a like a colorful abstract piece of her and it was shortly after she had passed um it was like that that fought that upcoming fall 
Um, and so that's when I did it. But yeah, I decided to put it in the show. So, okay. Yeah. Well, for um, we've never really met in real life. This is our first time meeting, and I'm sure Lydia and Devonna, you all. I don't haven't... think I've ever met Caesar West. I mean, Caesar. I was gonna say his whole name. I don't think I've ever met him in person. Like personally, in person, I don't think so either. No. No. So Caesar, tell the folks a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Where are you from? Sure. How did you get to be who you are now? For sure. So my name is Caesar Westbrook, and you guys are more than welcome to call me that as well. Um, I'm from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So it's about five hours from here, Eastern PA, near like Harrisburg, like towards Philly. Um, so I've been here for about six years now, a little over six years. Uh, my son is what brought me here. And um, and yeah, um, I've been like a full-time I was a full-time artist completely about three years ago um you know I was working a normal job I was working actually at like Lowe's um which actually most people don't know they pay really well and everything like that but I was in that position where it was just like I want to try to do something I want to try to do this myself I want to you know I want to try to jump off the cliff and take a chance and um it was real like gutsy because at the time like i said i was making consistent money and you know i have a son so i was like i don't know if i should do it but i was like man forget it i don't want to get older and be like i should have did it i should have tried to do it you know what i mean For and sure. then i did um let go of my job and just decided to go full time like it forces you to go hard you don't have any other choice you know what i mean so i was just like super motivated just off the fact that i no longer had a consistent stream of income and so I was just like, man, I was like, let's go. Like, and I was just so, so motivated and then just knocking stuff, you know, out left and right, doing a lot of commissions, but also still trying to find time to do stuff that I like to do and I want to do. Cause that's a, that's a hard balance that I, that I'm finding with other artists as well uh -huh. is doing, you know, commissions and pieces that people contact you for. And, you know, Hey, I want a piece of my, my son or my family or whatever. And I'm all for that. I want to do stuff for other people too, but as an artist, you want to try to, you know, still put out your own energy and your own work and, you know, and your own depictions as well. And that's where I feel like I'm strongest. Um, and so just trying to find that balance. And I think I did. Um, but just so many things started to turn over for me. And um, it, it, the way that things happen, I like, I still to this day, I don't know how a lot of it happened. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in God and I just, you know, I give it to him because I really don't know how a lot of this stuff happened. Like I could sit here and tell you, share a couple of stories with you guys and it just doesn't make sense, but it, it's, it's how it happened. And I'm just embracing it and riding the wave and just enjoying every minute of it. I was just listening to a podcast this morning, Lit literally was talking, the was a young lady talking about her experience mm -hmm. and her experience was super similar. She was like, I had, I was at a fork in the road, you know, mm -hmm. and she was like, on one end, I had this corporate job, you know, I was making good money, making, you know, I was getting awards and all that. She's like, but I wanted another thing to fill me. And I wanted to be my, I wanted to be a creator. And she's like, yeah. I realize I'm a creator. Mm -hmm. And she's like, the other end was taking that leap of faith yeah. and going in not knowing yeah. in, in the unknown. And she was like, when I decided to do the unknown, go yeah. to that route, she's like, the doors have been open for her. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she was like, I was able to experience the things that I really, my heart desired. So that's mm -hmm. just interesting when you're like, you know, I had to take that leap of faith. Yeah. I had to go and do that and look at, look at like what has, what yeah. has come yeah. for your, for yourself. So that's, yeah. that's deep. That's really deep. I, I like, so like, 
I, I do want to share a quick story because I know like if people are going to watch this, I feel like some stuff that happens to me, you know, happens to anybody, happens to you. Like share it because there might be somebody, yes. maybe not the same situation, but a very similar one. And, you know, it's going to give them the courage to kind of, you know, just keep chucking away. But um, right after I had quit, I had my, that's that this show in Attic Rehab that um, that you're referring to. So my show, my, my work was in there the entire month. I can't remember exactly what month the show was, but the night of the show, one piece of mine was bought. It wasn't one of my more expensive pieces, but it was, you know, it was a piece of mine. I was like, all right, that's cool. So the whole month goes by and then nothing else sold because the curator never contacted me or anything like that. And so the day that I was supposed to go pick my stuff up, um, she contacts me and says, hey, Caesar, I have another artist coming in to set up for their show. Do you think you can come and pick up your stuff or whatever? And I was like, yeah, sure. I was like, no problem. I was like, I'll be there like 11. And so 11 comes around and something came up. I can't remember what it was, but I couldn't go and get my stuff. So I contacted her. I was like, hey, I can't make it right now at 11. Can I come in about an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours? So like, yeah, that's fine. Just anytime today is fine. I was like, all right, cool. So I come back two hours later around like one. Well, I was, I was headed. I was going to head back around one. She calls me and says, hey, Caesar, I have a guy that just came in here and loves your work and wants to buy three pieces off the wall. And I'm just like, wow. and like, they're, they're like, so the Prince one that she referred to, um, and it was like two of my abstract pieces. Um, and I was just like, get out of here. You know what I mean? Like to take us, my stuff was in there for 30 days. For 29 of them days, nobody touched it. You know wow. what I mean? Nobody said anything. And if I would have went when I was supposed to go, that dude never would have saw my stuff. He never would have saw my stuff. And so, grace of God, whatever happened, I can't remember. I had this, something came up and I get a call 15 minutes before I'm supposed to go pick up my stuff. This dude buys three of my pieces. He has a condo, which is right down the street. I actually go take the pieces with him down to his condo, up to his, 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 his place, which was beautiful. And he already has beautiful artwork in there. And he already had the spots of where he was going to put my stuff and everything. Really cool guy. And um, that's another thing as an artist, like where your stuff is going matters too. You know what I mean? You want your stuff to go somewhere where it's going to be appreciated and where, you know, where it's going to be, uh, you want a home for your piece. You don't want it just to go anywhere. And so that whole thing was just like, that whole day I was like, I was messed up. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, that was crazy. You know, like, I don't know. It was a, it was a crazy feeling, but those, that's one of them stories. I'm just like, I'll never forget it ever. Like I'll share it with my kid and like, I, you know, that's the story Like in my journey of becoming an artist. That's one that's, that's, that will always be told, you know what I mean? So, but yeah. That's, that's super dope. cool. I feel like that's such a good example of like when life is like, when you're just doing the right thing, like things just fall into place in such like, whether you call it like divine intervention or yeah. divine timing or whatever you want to call it, like everything aligns and like yeah. it's easy yeah. it's no longer a struggle it's no longer yeah. like having to push yourself you know through something like once once yeah. you've gotten over that threshold then it's like sure. it just exactly. is that's so cool. crazy i want to know you know i think we're hearing the the present mm -hmm. what brought you to what when did you know that you had this skill this gift um of an artist of being a creator you know sure. when did you know that um, well, I was like younger, like I would always like draw and stuff in, in school. Um, I was a kid in the back of class drawing and sometimes not paying attention kind of thing. You know what I mean? And I went to school, I went to IEP. Um, I went for art education. 
because I love kids and I like working with kids and I love art. So I was like, shoot, let's just kill two birds with one stone. Let's do art, art education. And then silly me, I changed my major like more than halfway through. Um, I don't know. I, I don't even know why. I just wasn't feeling at the time. And I just wanted to be done with school. I understand. Um, and so, yeah, so I graduated, got out of school. Um, and my focus at the time was woodworking and furniture design. And a lot of people don't even know that. Um, I don't know if you guys know who Patrick Fisher is, but he works um, at Erie Arts and Culture. And he's in, like, he's the reason a lot of things are happening in Erie art wise. You know what I mean? He's a, so you'll hear his name soon. But anyway, um, he didn't even know that. And I've been working with him for a little while now. But um, yeah, I graduated and I didn't even start painting until after I graduated. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like I, like I took, a, I took a class. Like I, I, I mostly would, like I would draw. That was my thing. And like color pencil and stuff like that. But painting, I took a class, but it wasn't my focus. It wasn't like the thing that I was trying to do. So I graduated and I was just like, I don't know. I just got real curious one, like one, one year. And I was like, let me just try to paint, see what it, like, I think I know how it works, but I got to try it and see this the way I think it works in my mind like as far as blending colors and getting things to, you know, whatever. So I kind of taught myself, even though I did take a class, I learned more from my peers in class than I did from my professors. Mm. Like I would see what she was doing and what he was doing and how he got it to look like this. And I was like, oh, those are cool techniques. This is, this is, this is cool, you know what I mean? But then you apply it to yourself and you just do it your own way. And so, but yeah, I didn't start painting until after I, after I graduated. I moved up here. And I, I did a couple of small things and like a bunch of people around me, like family and close friends were like, man, you should like take that serious, like try to like take it for real. And I was like, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know or whatever. And so I did a couple of pictures and then like um, I didn't even get a Facebook until like four years ago. Like I just started putting stuff up and then like a lot of people gravitated toward them. Like, did you do this? And I was like, you know, like, yeah, like, you know, um, and like I could see that like, a lot of people liked it, like my style or whatever. And then that's when I was just like, shoot, like maybe, maybe I got something. And like, I really wanted to keep uh, like doing woodworking, but I couldn't because I didn't have access to the machinery. You know what I mean? Like at my school, there's a whole wood shop that has all the machines you could think about and all everything you'll ever need. But then I graduated. I don't have that anymore. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it's not something you can go pick up at Lowe's. It ain't happening. You know what I mean? So um I was just like, let me just revert to or convert to something else and try this painting and something else. And then it slowly just transitioned into that. And then I just, you know, took it and ran with it. And then now this is where I'm at. So Wow. <laughs> Nobody yeah. just it sounds like you're pretty well-rounded art-wise though. You got the wood, you got the paint, you got the pencil art. Yeah, I do pencil art. So it's in a, at IEP, they require you to take so many different mediums for mm -hmm. your major. So I took everything. I took jewelry and metals. I took fibers. I took sculpture. I took ceramics. I took everything. I mean, a lot, some of them I didn't really like. So I only took it for that one class just to check the box and say I did it. You know what I mean? Um, but some of the stuff was really interesting. And I will probably actually, you know, further if I could. But like I said, at that point, I was just like, all right, let me take this class so I can get done and get out of here. You know what I mean? But it was a lot, like every medium you can think of, they require you to do it, which I, now looking back at it, I'm like, that was so beneficial for me. You know what I mean? I wasn't just one track minded and just like trying to stick to just this one thing. It forced you to do so many other things. Wow. You know what I mean? So um, looking back at it now, it was a great thing. Well, since we're in like an audio form and some people may have never seen your work before, could you, with your words, paint a picture of what some of your work looks like? 
and then later like talk about where we might be able to find some of your work yeah so you want me to just like express or just like verbally express um yeah. let me see i just did a piece uh not too long ago um and so i can go through the processes how about that yeah is that, sure. that okay so like uh for this piece uh it was around when uh, all this like corona just hit uh it was a lot of like you know, killings, like racial things going on. Um, and I had this image of a king in my mind. Um, and I don't like my pieces to just be like, you know, like just plain. So what I usually do is I paint on a nice, the background that I usually do on most of them is like a nice um, soft, like, but highlighted color. Um, and on this particular piece, I wanted it to be very vibrant and colorful um, and just speak through the color itself. Um, so I used a lot of purple because it was royalty. So I wanted it to have a royal feel. So I made sure I, I added purple. Um, and But I also wanted it to depict the pain that we were going through at the time. So the look on his face uh, was kind of like a struggle, but like pain. Um, but his outer glow was still showing that he was strong and, you know, that he was persevering and, you know, just, you know, really still strong to get through whatever it was. And so um, his his actual, his his physical stature itself says that, you know, he's in pain and in struggle, but his actual, the color and the vibrancy of, of everything, the crown, the jewels that I also included in the crown, um, that speaks a different language and it tells an entirely different story. And that's pretty much how I like to go about most of my work is the image itself is something, but, you know, the colors and the other things that are added into it, um, you know, tell something else. So it kind of brings it all together. That's amazing. That sounds really cool. I really want to see that. Can I find that like on Actually, Facebook have, or something? Hold on. I have it. On Sea West Collections. Yeah, that's where it's at. Um, <laughs> it's, on my, it's on my Instagram. Actually. Yes. Like, it's one of my most recent pictures. Okay. One of my favorites um, is, uh, I believe it. Uh, you had named it "Perfectly Imperfect." Okay, yeah. The black woman, and she was actually on the front of the Erie Reader. Yeah, yeah. Oh what, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she had the oh, she Thank had the you. head wrap, everything. Yeah, I was like, wait, he painted me. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. No, that really was a nice photo, though. That was a beautiful photo. I, I mean, a beautiful uh, painting. I was like, yo. So I actually have that in my living room. Yeah, oh, I have the Erie Reader. I yeah. saved that. So that's, that's awesome. one of my favorites of yours. Thank you. And speaking yeah. of the representation, like when I saw it, I'm like, oh my God, the Erie Reader has me, Devana. Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> and that was at all. <laughs> that's so awesome to like hear you guys say that because um, I want that. I want somebody to see my work and see them in my work. That's yes. my whole goal. You know what I mean? Black, white, I don't care who you are, what you are. Mm -hmm. I love everybody. So I want to try to depict that in my work. You know what yes. I mean? If you see my work and you feel yourself in it, check. I did what I'm supposed to do. You know what I mean? And like, I try to make my work as universal as possible. And that goes back to when I said, I like doing my own kind of work. Like, there's nothing wrong with me doing personal pieces for other people. I'm, I'm with that all day long. But when I have that gap where I can go in and do my own thing, like, I go in to kill it. Like, and I don't like, I can't wait for times where I don't have nothing to do for nobody else. Because in my mind, I'm like, in these next two weeks, I'm about to kill this painting in my mind. Like, it's mm -hmm. crazy. 
you use vibrant colors too. That's mm -hmm. what I like about it. Like it captures a, a lot of like, yeah. even just the curvature of different things. Like even, I mean, there's one that you had of, of a woman and you had it, she, her, the way well, that yeah. it, it was beautiful. I was like, yo. I still right? have that one. It's crazy. It's crazy because she has diamonds and everything in her, like in her, in her necklace. Wow. I actually like 3D, like it's a 3D, like rhinestones and on yes. her bracelet and in her necklace. So yeah. Wow. I like, I wanted it to be like sexy and elegant at the same time. Not too revealing. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? But it, the color, I wanted it to be very vibrant. You yeah, know it was I mean? dope. Would yeah. you consider your work pop art or would you consider it like what, what style? That's a great question because yes, but not fully. Yeah. I like, a, I, I love abstract, but I love realism. Like if I can paint something like realistic, but I love pop art. So like, I kind of try to mix it all in. I try mm -hmm. to do all of it, not on every piece, but like most of them. And mm -hmm. so I think with those kind of pieces, because that piece and the Aretha Franklin, mm -hmm. they're kind of similar. And the King one that I just did, they have the same kind of like color scheme. And I kind of try to twist that um, all three of those phases into those pieces. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm interested now in education because yeah. you said you're in, you know, you, you're, you're, you're working within the school district. Yeah. That's what I've last uh, read about you is where you, you know, you were, you were working in the school district. You were actually on the, I think the track of when they were looking for, um, uh, can you tell us about it? They were looking for young, you know, obviously young black teachers because, yeah. you know, you're struggling. So let us know your experience with that. The, the way that happened is also another funny story um, that I'll just tell really quickly. I did the, um, I did the mural downtown or at the uh, Dobbins Landing. Um, the, the real colorful abstract one. So if you're on the top of the tower and you look down mm -hmm. um, the platform, I, I did that one last year. And then it was in August and it was hot as ever. I was outside for like seven straight days. And then the very next week was the chalk walk for Celebrate Erie. And so I did that. And that was another like three days of in the sun. It was crazy. And then I won that. I really like, I, I never did chalk before. So the lady, I, the, 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 the people who represented me Every, you get represented, you get a sponsor. Everybody gets a sponsor. Okay. The Port Authority was my sponsor. Hmm. So when I went and sat down with the lady from the Port Authority, 90% of me wanted to tell her no because I never worked with chalk before. I never did chalk, nothing, ever. Hmm. But I went with the 10% that said yes. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try something new. Let's go do it. You know, whatever. Chalk wall comes around and the first, like, half an hour I'm just like I'm not like I'm I, I can I know what I want to do I have it in my mind I know how to you know I have it down on the ground whatever but like I've seen people's in prior years and it looks so like smooth and vibrant and everything I was like I don't know how they did that so I was like forget it I'm gonna try my own thing and I broke the chalk down into powder and then I mixed it with water and this one solution that they give you and then and I made it into like a paint and so once I did that, I was like, oh, it's over. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I like I found my niche. Like I've 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 turned this into what I like. So I made this work for me. Mm -hmm. And so I painted it. Fast forward, I ended up winning it. The very next couple of days later, the lady who brought me in on the project from the Port Authority, she's very good friends with uh, a principal in the district. And this principal actually came by where I was where I was doing the chalk walk one day. And she was like, you know, she introduced herself, but I didn't think nothing of it. A lot of people stopped by or whatever. And so um, that next week, 
she said, hey, I have a friend who's a principal at, and I cannot remember the school. She wants to know if you'd be interested, interested in a teaching position. And I was like, yeah, like, absolutely. You know what I mean? And so um, she was like, okay. She was like, I'll set up, here's her email, you know, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward. I didn't get into that school, but I got into where I'm at now, which is McKinley Elementary. Nice. So I'm the art teacher at McKinley Elementary. Um, and long story short, that all happened from me going with 10% of yes and wow. not going with 90% of no. Because if I would have told her no, that lady would have never saw me. That, that lady would have never, it never would have happened. Like none of it would have happened. And so that's how that happened. But I love it. I love teaching these kids. My first day of teaching, which was last year in October, I got there a month late because of like clearances. I was waiting for clearances to come through. And my first day of teaching, I go into class and the kids come in and like, the kids are like looking around at me because for, for a whole month they had substitutes. Yeah. So they didn't have any consistency. They didn't have anything stable. You know, there was just like a teacher here, you know, and a teacher here for a couple of days or whatever. But anyway, I get, I come in there and to me, I mean, to them, I'm another sub and they're like, they're like, are you our teacher? And I was like, yeah. And then, and then in the back of the room, another kid was like, you're going to be here for the whole year. And I was like, yeah. And like, they all like, celebrated it was like the craziest thing yeah I was in another I did another like you know interview like then I told this story and it's like every time I tell it it it's like I felt responsible at that point in time I was like all right this is bigger than me way bigger than me you know and so um yeah I just like I was like I feel responsible to you know I have a job now because these kids Mm -hmm. are like they looking at me and you know looking up to me Mm -hmm. They, they've never obviously seen, you know, let's be real, a black teacher, mm-hmm. uh, let alone an art teacher. You know what I mean? And I know that I, one, I love working with kids. And I was like, I, I'm in a position to introduce things in a different way to them. Yes. And so I'm about to do it. You know what I mean? And I love it. I love it so much because when I was young, I didn't have, I didn't have anybody like that, like at all. You know what I mean? So I want to be that person to them. And Look how like, the universe the- works. I know. School for it. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say? I said, "Look how the universe works." You went no, to school for a change of major, but still ended listen, up. It's crazy. It's mm. really because at the time, like, even though she asked me, I did say yeah. But in the back of my mind, I was like, "Wait, I didn't finish my degree. Isn't in our our education?" I was like, "But I got a lot of education credits in art." Oh. So what I, what ended up happening is I got emergency certified. Yes, I did have a lot of credits. I you know I did I did have a lot of them. There was like two classes and a um, student teaching that I didn't do, which like I said, it was stupid for me to switch majors. I was just so over it, like, and whatever. But, um, but yeah, I had enough to, for them to get me in there. I had all my clearances because I've done other works with kids and stuff and youth, um, like through the YMCA and all this other stuff. So I had all my other clearances and everything like that. And then it just worked. It just, it fell right into place. Like it was like, I'm telling you, like, I cannot lie to you. Stuff that's happened to me in my last four years, five years of becoming an artist, like some of it, you won't believe it. Like I wow. still don't believe it. I don't. I just believe go believe it because <laughs> it's yeah, happening. Yeah, right. It's happening, <laughs> but it's like I don't question it any. I don't. This, the difference is back then I was questioning it. I don't question it no more. Mm-hmm. Like I just like whatever. Like keep it moving. Let's roll. Ride the, ride the wave is my. I have a saying. It's called ride the wave. Yes. You ride the wave. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's it. 
Well, and I think I just want to go back to what you were talking about with the chalk walk, because mm -hmm. I just like feel I love metaphors and I just feel like such a beautiful metaphor in that experience. Mm -hmm. um, because how many of us are painters mm -hmm. given chalk mm -hmm. as an opportunity, as a resource that we don't know how to use? We don't Ooh. know how to use these tools or these things that are in front of us. And 90% of us wants to say, I don't know what to do with this. I can't use this. This is not yeah. for me and walk yeah. away. But yeah. that 10% of us that can crush that freaking chalk down and make it into paint that is perfect for what we need yeah. and what we yeah. can use. That's right. I mean, like, it's, yeah. I mean, that's it's so inspiring. So inspiring. Like, yeah, Caesar, that's no, just so I'm, cool. I'm, I'm, and also on top of that too, like, sorry, I just want to like get this out there too, that like, uh, yeah, there are not enough black teachers. There are also not enough male teachers. There yeah. are also not enough black male art teachers. So like, let's talk about that as far as like just the, the creativity and the beauty and the expression yeah. of that, that I feel like is denied of so many black men, particularly yeah. um, that like these spaces are, are held for a, almost always, at least in my experience, like white women. Yeah. Um, and so to see someone like you in that space, I think is just so empowering for like so many different like people yeah, uh, sure. to see like Oh my gosh, I yeah, like we've talked about it in so many different contexts, but like representation and being able to say, like, sure. I can see myself there now because Caesar can be there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's so true. Like, I'm telling you, I, I I kid you not, like I was sitting in that chair and it took everything in me to tell, like, I was just like, I don't even know, I don't want to disappoint her. And I was like, and then it just held like, you know what? Forget it. Like, yeah, let's do it. Like, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? And I just went with that and the rest mm -hmm. happened, you know, so, but that's very true. I think a lot of times when we are faced with something that's unfamiliar or that we're not comfortable with, we shy away from it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You don't want no parts of it because it's uncomfortable. But um, me and my friends, I have a group chat. We've been in a group chat for like eight, nine years now. You know, we say just get comfortable being uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. Like, like get comfortable being uncomfortable. It's the, and it's the best growing pain ever. Yeah. So you're, you have no choice but to grow from it. Like mm -hmm. no choice at all. Like, and so like, I felt like that's what's happened a lot in the past, like four years for me is I was in situations that I wasn't used to being in and you have no choice but to adapt and figure it out. You know what I mean? Like you have no choice but to figure it out. And mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times that's the best situations for best situation for a lot of people. Right. Yes. To be in a situation where you don't have a choice but to figure it out you will find out a lot about yourself mm -hmm. in those situations. Well, and I think like there's so many people that avoid discomfort to yeah. like such a detriment. And yeah. like, as the, as the, the white person in the room, I can mm -hmm. say that it is a privilege of white people to be able to avoid so many uncomfortable conversations or yes. uncomfortable mm -hmm. spaces. And mm -hmm. so like, I think that that mantra of like, get comfortable being uncomfortable is such a powerful yeah. phrase for us all to use whatever privilege it is, whether it's male privilege or white privilege or able-bodied, but like being uncomfortable in that discomfort, whatever yeah. that looks like. And whether it's, yeah, uncomfortable because you're not familiar with the, the yeah. medium you're using or uncomfortable because you're not the smartest person in the room, like whatever that looks like. I think yeah, right. sure. comfort is so important. You're right. It's how we grow. Yeah. And Lydia, I, I would love, I want to commend you for recognizing that because a lot of people, mm. You know, not a lot, but like a, there, a lot of people don't recognize that. You know what I mean? Being oh. like, you know what I'm saying? And I commend I you for that. You know what I'm saying? And like, that's I think like that's 
a great thing, an outstanding thing. You know what I'm saying? It is, but it's such a bare, like, minimum thing, too. At the same time, like, like, thank you, but, like, no. (laughs) No, I get it. I get it. No better at this point, you know? And, and, and you're right, though. Like, don't cut yourself short with, like, a lot of people, not a lot of people. Like, a lot of people don't understand privilege on, on any level. Um, but I think there's such a weird discomfort with like conversations about race that don't need to be uncomfortable and we don't need to shy away from it or, or yeah, tiptoe around it or just like say like, oh, I don't see color or like, Mm -hmm. we're all the same. Like that helps no one. I think too, it's like a lot of people, you know, and in my own personal experience, I think sometimes when you work when you when you're thinking about you know stepping out it's fear you you know a lot of people are are afraid mm-hmm. um of the unknown and whether that looks like afraid of a white person afraid of a black person because they don't really know their experience mm-hmm. like or yeah. you know like you said the kid uh the kids even mm-hmm. walking into that classroom and they're like oh shoot here we go another substitute yeah. mm-hmm. but they embrace the fact that you even tr- they trusted really just off top of you were like no i'm your teacher i'm gonna be here yeah. this whole year yeah. like they kids i love kids because they're just like so they just jump in they're so like you know they're like so unafraid and so just even to experience just even hearing you talk about that almost makes me want to bring them brings me to tears because I think there's so much power in that and just saying I'm representation I'm here for you and I'm ready to teach you I'm ready to to show you so many new things because kids are sponges they they take up everything whether a good or bad experience and just the fact that you're able to give them uh, a piece of solace while you know they're at school uh, whether it's in 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 their space and in that I just think that's so beautiful because our kids in Erie in the inner, inner city need to see Oh, good absolutely. teachers. They really do. They need to see young teachers who are in and any teacher who is passionate mm-hmm. about being there. They're passionate about teaching. And mm-hmm. I'm really inspired by hearing you talk about that because art teachers are so undervalued. Yeah, yeah. Art teachers are. And art but, is like so yeah, applicable to everything. Exactly. It's so, so true. I mean, it's already bad enough like that the related arts are like a question now, like, you know, phys ed, music and art, you know what I mean? But that's an outlet for so many kids. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it really is. And like, like, like I said, when that, when the kids said that on my first day, like it hit me, I was like, like, I had to catch myself. Like this, this is different. Like, you know, like I feel so responsible, but like, not even that, like it goes deeper than that because I know I, like, especially where I teach, you know what I mean? It's McKinley. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, the best school it is you know a lot of them have a lot of like family issues and everything like that so um a lot of them just gravitated towards me just because I'm a male just because I'm a guy and I'm a black male you know what I mean and so it went from on on lunch uh a lot of kids like they go to the cafeteria and eat or whatever some classes some teachers let you come and eat with them or whatever and my by my like second or third weekend I had like so many kids like at the end of my every class, Mr. Westbrook, can I come eat lunch with you? And I was like, yeah, man. Yeah, yes, sweetheart, you can come eat lunch with me. Lunch, I got 18 kids in my room alone. They think I have a regular class. It's just the kids in there wanting to eat with me. You know what I'm saying? And so like, you get to know them on a personal level and like, they're talking to you, like, you know, like saying things to you that they wouldn't tell other teachers. And it's yes. like, and I'm, I feel responsible because some of them don't have a father figure. Some of them yes. don't have love at home, period, regardless if it's a male or not, you know? And I see it, like, it's, like, some of them are in some really bad situations. So if I can help in any way, like, if sitting down with me for 25 minutes eating lunch is mm-hmm. going to fix you for the day, I'm all for it. You know what right. I mean? 
come have a come have a seat let's chat and, and talk and hang out well and that's like what the research research has shown too is that i think the the study that i saw was specifically about like lgbtq youth but yeah. that all it takes so like the the risk for suicide in lgbtq youth is like higher than than yeah. other kids than yes. um than their straight peers and um having one adult mm -hmm. role model in their life that's stable and supportive mm -hmm. can reduce their mm -hmm. like their their likelihood of attempting suicide by like 50 percent or more something like i mean it's like ridiculous that we think like oh you know our like i only see them for mm -hmm. 30 minutes yeah every other day like i can't have it like no you can mm -hmm. have a huge impact if you are that stable person that like that unconditional love or unconditional yeah. support that yeah. like, yeah, you can goof off and you can break the rules in class. And you know what? I'm still going to treat you with respect yeah. and dignity exactly. and, and like treat you like you're worth something. Yeah. It's so powerful. And you're right. There's so many people, kids or otherwise that like have no other space where they receive that. Very and true. it's so powerful. Very true. And to make that sacrifice, I think the one thing is shout out to all teachers who are making sacrifices, especially right now, mm -hmm. um, yeah. when it comes to having to go through COVID and have to set up your classroom. And I know there's so many struggles right now with just make teachers wanting to make sure that their children, um, mm -hmm. their students are getting the best education. And I, I think making that sacrifice, like you said, making that sacrifice of 25 minutes just to spend yeah. time with them on your on their lunch and on a lunch that you're like, that's usually my time where I should be having my own chill time, but you're, you're sacrificing your own, your own time yeah. to, to give kids time. I think that's a very beautiful thing, but I don't think people understand. That's what a lot of teachers do. You yeah. know, they're sacrificing yeah. so many hours and so exactly. many, so much time, you know, yeah. for their students. Very true. Very true. Yep. It's crazy. So you're originally from, and I'm from Pittsburgh and I grew up saying Lancaster, but I've been <laughs> chastised multiple times in the last year that's Lancaster. Yeah, Lancaster. Yeah, that's how we say it. <laughs> I, I could tell I could tell who's from there by how they say it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sorry, I don't even think you said it any different. You just said it a lot faster. It's not Lancaster, it's Lancaster. <laughs> Lancaster. It's like Lancaster. It's just one word. Everybody else breaks it up. They say Lancaster. It's Lancaster. Lancaster. Yeah, Lancaster. I definitely say Lancaster now that I'm thinking about that. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. So how long have you um, been in Erie? And this is a weird question, but I'm trying to work it out. <laughs> what makes Erie yours? Or like, what makes Erie your home? I like that. Um, so I've like about six years or so. And um, yeah, I've been here about, yeah, about a little over six because, well, I'm almost seven, actually, because I came up here right when my son, well, I was expecting my son. Um, but it's funny because I, at first, I was like, I mean, I didn't hate Erie. It was just like not a place I wanted to be. But I sacrificed and I came here for, you know, the most important thing in my life. So whatever. It is, it is. This is where I'm at. I'm going to make it work, whatever. But I think Erie's home to me is because it is the foundation of who I am as an artist. Like everything that happened to me to be where I'm at now has happened on these on these wow. grounds. You know what I mean? And that's why it's home. You know what I mean? Nothing else anywhere. Like I've done other little like events here and there. Like I had had a couple, I had a show back home. I've had, you know, some other things like in other little cities and stuff, but like every major thing that's happened for me to be where I'm at now has happened here. 
you know what I mean? And so, and I've grown the most here as an artist and, you know, and I, I mean, with that comes growing as a person too. And so, um, but yeah, like every major milestone has happened here. Wow. And that's why I, I feel like, you know, this has converted to be, you know, my home. I'm Lancaster till I die. Don't get it wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> don't get it wrong. But no, I, uh, Erie has been very, very good to me. Like very, I cannot even, and we, I just had this conversation the other day with um, Patrick Fisher and um, another uh, sit down that I had. And um, it was basically along those lines. And um, I was just like, it, I can't like, I couldn't have went, I don't think if I would have moved anywhere else, mm-hmm. if I don't know if these things would have happened to me. Yeah. Especially wow. like in a bigger city, I don't know. I, I don't know. I really yeah. don't know. And that's not me doubting my skills or my, you know what I mean? My, my efforts and anything like that. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. This is the way this stuff played out. Mm-hmm. It, like it only could have ha- the way it did. I think it, it, it just, I was in the right place at the right time doing the right, like, I don't know. It was just, it all happened here. And I don't even think about it anywhere else, but maybe it would have happened somewhere else. Who knows? Yeah. But it didn't, it happened here. So. Wow. Eerie. I feel like you can, I just like a, a lot of it is too, I, you know, what I'm hearing a lot from your experience is just networking as well. And I think not yeah. being afraid, being afraid, not afraid to be in spaces where it might be a little uncomfortable because I will say like the artsy world here, it, it, the art world here is really, it's hard sometimes. Like, you know, there's still yeah. elites. There's still, there's still. I got still here. Huh? When, I, when I first got here, I was very to myself as an artist. Like I would mm-hmm. do my own thing, whatever. I went to a, I went to a gallery. I'm not going to name the gallery. I went to the gallery. I went in there. I was like, man, I'm gonna try to get my stuff in one of these galleries, see what happens, whatever. I go to this gallery. I speak to the curator um they're like okay well nice to meet you like I'm like yeah nice to meet you I'm new here whatever blah 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 and she was like okay she was like um do you have any of your work any your portfolio or whatever and I show her some of my work and um she was like these are these are nice she was like um but in her saying that she also directed me to a different gallery to go to um which was on state 10th and state it's in uh it's downtown. It's 10th and State. It's it's an upstairs gallery. Oh, yes. I know exactly. Uh, d- uh, starts at the D. Right, right across the street from the Avalon. Yes, yes. Yeah, she directed me there. I go there. Um, and it's a beautiful gallery. She's the only Black woman, only Black-owned gallery. I go there. I, I did meet up with her. But anyway, the point was, she didn't even, like, she, she saw my work, but she instantly directed me to her. Fast forward, last, not even a year ago, uh, I get an email from that curator at that gallery the one that I went to and she wants me to, she's asking me to come in so she could talk to me to see my work. Cause she wants me to put my stuff in her gallery and everything else. And I was just like, do you not remember me from like, and it, it, it wasn't the fact that she pointed me. It was the way she did it. I didn't really like it. It was just like, yeah, you felt it, it the microaggression. Yeah. Like, it was like, I don't know. And I was like, I'm, that's my thing. Like, I don't like that sometimes at first I would only get to be in a show in February or for Juneteenth. Huh. I ain't like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't, this is, like, I get it. I get it. Don't get me wrong. I get yes. it. I get it. But that's not, I'm, that's not, I'm not just February and Juneteenth. I'm not, yes. you know what I mean? Like, and yes. I get it for starting off. I'll take what I can get. If that's what I can get. Boom, boom, whatever. Okay. But I don't know. But, in the same breath, like that kind of relates to that because you see me as a black artist 
cool. My work is different than anything you carry in here. Cool. I'm cool with that. But don't direct me to where that type of work is only known. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That, I do. I, I do understand. You're not bringing in any new flavor, any new anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, Well, what she said was your art is black and you have to be in the black space. Yeah. Black is not cross cross cultural. Black is not something that can be enjoyed by everyone. Right. Yeah. It's like, you know, when when people don't teach, uh, when they some school districts don't teach black history because yeah. there's not enough black st- students. Yeah. It's like, yeah. wait, what? Like, that doesn't even make any sense. Right. Yeah. Or, the, or the, fact, the fact that black history is separate from mainstream history Same, classes yeah, at exactly. all. Yes. Like, bizarre to me. Yeah. Like, or, or, I mean, and I'm sure we've had these conversations, Marty and Devana, like on separate occasions, but like when, when people have like diversity and inclusion officers too, I always like that brings red flags for me mm-hmm. because that needs to be everyone's job and and it needs Literally. to be created everywhere. So the fact that we're like relegating it to like, oh, well, that's so-and-so's job. Like, oh, right. black art, that's so-and-so's job. Go there. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. So at, first, at first I was just like, I took it. I, was, I mean, and I was new too. And I was like, maybe that's just how it is here. Like maybe like, all right, maybe she's helping me out without like, yeah. later on I, I kind of like, nah, I was like she just didn't, she, I don't know. She didn't want my work there or whatever. She just, she didn't even say like, you know, stop back, you know, and nothing. Like it was just boom, I'll point you here, ask her, check with her, see, you know, whatever. And I it was wasn't like, for you. To be yeah. a little messy when she came back to you, did you? But that's the thing though. Like, Spill the tea. <laughs> Then I check my, my my emails and this is like, this is the same lady. Sure enough, it is. And I was just like, whatever. I don't know. And she like, she wanted me to put some stuff in her back because she contacted me like four times. Did wow. you leave it on red? Nah, actually, <laughs> is that no, what the kids I, are saying I, these days? I don't know. <laughs> the, the very first time, like I did actually go and meet with her. I did. Like I did go meet with her back in there just to see if she will remember me. That was my main goal. Like, I wonder if she'll remember me when I came in here a couple of years ago and I tried to put my work in here. And um, she didn't or whatever, but, and then I just wanted to see if her approach was gonna be different. And it wasn't, she was so like, like wanted me to put my stuff in there so bad. But mind you, this was after I had did the chalk walk, the mural downtown. The, well, you had to get name recognition is what we are all doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, so, I mean, it is what it is. It's part of the game, I guess, I don't, but it shouldn't be that way. No, it shouldn't be that way. No, no, no. And shout out to that's her her name. Sorry, I I really name slipped me by, but her name is Diana Denniston. And she actually owns D. Hopkins Denniston Gallery Fine Art, which is actually next to the Erie Arts and Culture uh, building. Um, Yeah, it's a nice, nice gallery. She was on. Yeah, she's very, very, very beautiful gallery. Um, But like you said, like, I think she's actually the only black. Yeah, the only black owned um, art gallery that we have around. Not to put her out there like this, but I made her cry. You made her oh not in a bad way. Oh, good. Okay. I was like, oh <laughs> this is when I went to meet her, the first, like when I the first time I the first and only time I ever met her, uh, we were coming down some from seeing a gallery. And this, like I said, I'm still fairly new to this, but um I she wanted me to show her some of my pieces. And one of my pieces you saw, and she started crying. Oh wow. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, that's why I was like, I don't know, like. It hit yes. me too. And I was like, wow. Like, because like as a curator, I'm thinking like you see work and she, ha- she has work from everywhere. Yes. From everywhere. So I'm thinking for you to see work like this from all over and you see mine and it, it moves you. That's when I was like, oh, dang. Like, all right, I did something with this one. You know what I'm saying? Because wow. she's not just some local Mm-mm. 
just tried to open up a gallery and she's seen local work all the time. No, she sees worldwide work from yes. major artists. Yes. And she sees my stuff and she gets moved emotionally. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah. You know that's what I'm powerful. saying? Yeah, yeah. So that's a huge compliment. And I think yeah, it goes back to it. what you that's were saying too, it. like that your goal as an artist is to like reach people on a deeper yeah. level. And mm-hmm. and yeah. what a good sign of that. And yeah, I mean, that's so cool. So powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I feel like takeaways out of here too are one, take a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Like, don't be afraid to no. step out of your comfort zone. Like we learned, we learned some lessons today. No. No. I'm so quick to do stuff. Like I still think I'm still smart about it, but I'm so quick to like do stuff that I'm not used to now just because I've seen the results. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, all right, let's do it. Like, boom, like what's the worst that could happen? I fail. Like, and that's another thing I say a lot too. Like I tell my I tell my kids sometimes and they take it the wrong way, but they kind of get it at the same time. I say, aim to fail. Yeah. Mm, it sounds so weird. It's, it's, it, it's a tricky saying, but it it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Aim to fail. Cause if you if you go, if you if you go so hard, you smoke, I want you to go so hard to where your 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 percentage of success is or your, your percentage of failure is slightly higher than your percentage your chances of success hmm. so it should be like i want it to be like i don't know 60 40 hmm. you know what i'm saying i want your chances of failure to be 60 percent and your in your in your in your yeah. your failure yeah, you know what i'm saying it's it's it's, it's like the risks you know what i'm saying but it makes so much sense because okay. it, it, it only guarantees that you're going to go hard you're all you're it only guarantees that you're going to give out your best yeah you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so yeah, for sure. That's that's something that I keep in my head all the time. You Bill, know, when I'm failure is scary. Somebody. Yeah, huh? The failure is scary. Yeah, it's oh scary, for sure. You know, sure. but you gotta do it. Yeah. Yep. So we have all amidst all the chaos in the world, whether it's police brutality or climate change or the election or life. Uh, we're all feeling like a little strained and burnt out. Mm -hmm. And we've been talking about, uh, self-care and the importance of like really taking care of ourselves and finding things that like refill our cup or that inspire us. So I guess, uh, and you kind of touched on this early on Caesar about finding that balance between commissioned work and your own work, that that's kind of like what keeps Mm -hmm. you going, but are there, is there anything else you want to add or anything else that you do that really like keeps you going when like there are so many things in the world that could bring us down and convince us that like, it's not worth it to leave the house today. How do you keep going? How do you go out and paint like more beautiful murals every day? Right. Um, Like, uh, I just, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I completely just walk away from it all. Like, but not for a long period of time. I will completely detox and just like do something completely off the grid. Like I'm an outsider. Like I like doing stuff outside. I love to fish. I love to, I'm athletic and like, like to play sports and stuff. So I do all of that. Um, but man, I don't know. I guess I get so inspired easily. Like I'm so easily inspired. Like what inspires you? Oh man. Like anything that like, how can I say this? In your own way. Right. That's all, yeah. Like, ah. Uh, I don't know any anything like I, I do a lot of stuff that like has to do with things that are currently going on you know what I mean um but anything where I'm able to go in and and like and and shift the energy 
is what inspires me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if I'm able to go in there and like just completely sh- shift the perception or shift the energy or shift the mindset or idea of anything that's been going on for mm-hmm. in, in that space for so long, if I'm able to go in there and have a, a huge impact, I'm inspired. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm like, yeah, go in here and tear it up. You know what I mean? Like change mm-hmm. it. Because if I, if it's going to be the same, if I, if I don't, I mean, somebody else might go in there and do it, but they're not going to do it like I do it. And if I have the opportunity, go in there and kill it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. go in there and kill it a hundred miles an hour. Like, and that's something that I also took from me playing sports is uh, my coach used to say, I'm not going to say it on here, but he used to say F up fast because mm-hmm. my position, I was defense. He'd say, fuck up fast. And so that just meant like, if you're going to mess up, do it at a hundred miles an hour. You know what I mean? Because if you like, and that's def- definitely a coach because <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? And I play defense. So and football. So if you miss, you know, if you're going to mess up and run the wrong, you know, run in the wrong direction, do the wrong thing, you better be doing it at a hundred miles an hour. You know what I mean? Don't be slacking on it. Mm, yeah. So, like don't half-ass it. Like, don't half-ass it. Okay. Don't mess up because you didn't try hard enough. Like if you're yeah. trying your hardest and you mess up, like that's a good way to mess up. That exactly. makes, yeah, that makes so much exactly. sense. Exactly. You can't say that you weren't going all out when you did it. So um, whenever I do kind of go into these spaces of trying to, you know, shift the, the energy or the culture or whatever you want to call it, um, I'm super motivated, but I'm also like going in to tear it down, like, and nothing less. Like if I go in there and I don't like, I have so high, I have high expectations for myself and you know what I mean? I'm very humble, but I still have high expectations. So I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, no, go in here and kill this shit. Nothing said, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's it. Guns blazing. And it is what it is. You know what I mean? Leave your mark is essentially, you know what I mean? If I can go in there and leave my mark and that'd be it. Then that, then I did what I'm supposed to do, so that's what that's what inspires me a lot. Is like stuff like that. But I'm inspired by a lot of stuff, man. Like I, I don't know, like it's so awesome. It, may, I mean, it almost sounds like you're inspired by your own potential, which I think yeah. we yeah. all yeah. for can. It's really easy to forget about, you know, especially when we're down in the dumps about something. Yeah. Like we still have the potential for so much good to make such a great impact, like you were talking about, and that yes. our greatest in, inspiration, like, Myself. is already here. Like yeah. we can already inspire ourselves with whatever we're capable of doing. Um, yeah. but sometimes I think we can forget about that potential. And sometimes like through working with the, the teams at the YMCA, like I see a lot of times, I'm just like, some of you have never even been outside of Erie. Like it's the truth. Like I'm not just literally, I'm not just saying to say like, no, seriously, they have never been outside of the city of Erie ever. Like, dude, I so bad want to just like get in a position where I can have like a, a van or you know a bus and just give me the okay from your parents let me take you guys two cities over right. for an overnight right. just for a night guys let's go out let's have fun let's go learn let me show you something and i guarantee you it's just gonna like make give you the itch to just go like one time just to get out of erie just for a little bit you know what yeah. i mean you guys get so content mm-hmm. and complacent with being here and this is all you know you know you're not going to ever maximize your potential you know what i mean like and that's why I tell them, like, maximize your potential. Like, if you have something, kill it. Like, yes. kill it, kill it, kill it. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I'll be trying to teach to them and try to ex- explain to them. Like, you only get one of these, man. You get one. You don't know when it's over. Kill it. Like, mm-hmm. and, like, uh, I ran into 
I, when I was working at the Y, I ran into a, an, a member who I was an older guy. He's like, man, I'm seeing your name everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, I can't open the paper or whatever. And that that's not me, like, to my horn. That's just, like, what he said. And so I'm just like, and in my head, I'm like, you're damn right. Like, I'm not, like, I don't, like, I'm trying to, I get one of these. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know when it's over. So I'm about to just go balls to the wall while I'm here. Okay. Just whatever. Like you want to leave a legacy while yeah, you're here. That's, that's what everybody's everybody's motto and mindset should be. Right. No matter what it is that you're doing. You know what I mean? I don't care what you're doing. I don't care. You're go hard at it. You know? Right. Hmm. Yeah. And we don't have to wait until we're 50 years old to think about yeah. leaving our legacy. Like yeah. like you said, you don't know how long this life is going to be. Yeah. So might as well start like deciding what your legacy is going to be today. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's I don't, one of my biggest pet peeves and things I hate is time wasted. I hate it. I hate it. Like I hate wasting time. I don't even mean like I hate wasting somebody else's time. I hate wasting like anything. So like, like these kids, I'm like, dude, like y'all are so young. You don't know. You do not understand. Like I wish I would, could go back to being 19, 18 and know what I know. Oh my gosh. I wish, you know what I mean? Like Fortunately for me, I'm still in a great position. Mm-hmm. What's been happening to me and stuff like that. But like, man, like just maximize the gifts you have and the time and the youth that you have. You know what I mean? Like, don't take it for granted. Yes. Well, the last piece of work that you recently did was the work that uh, was at the Manus State gas yeah. station yeah. Yeah. Um, with Antonio Howard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I um I did not go to the reveal ceremony, but I did. I do know you spoke there. Is that, did you speak there? I did. And yeah, how, did. you know, just in the last couple of minutes, how was that experience? Because I mean, you know, that's one of the only, again, black owned gas stations that we have here. And you guys beautified that area and made it like really get, just, it really, I like the way, even the way you guys captured every moment yeah. of doing it, yeah. you know, you know, for that, for the extended amount of time you guys captured every day, like, okay, so we're getting ready to this, do this on this part. And I really liked watching the process go. Yeah. That was really cool. Before I didn't know Luther. Mm-hmm. I didn't know his wife, Connie. Yeah. I didn't even know Antonio, the artist I worked with before that. I didn't know any of them. Any of them. And I met Connie first because she bought the shirt. She bought a shirt from me. So that painting that you guys like of the girl with the head wrap. Yeah. Shirts of it. So she bought a shirt. Ooh. And so um, so she she got a shirt. I met her down at the, at the Snoko for the first time. I got her the shirt. And so um, and she was like, yeah, I'm thinking about having a mural done down here with you and another artist, you know, Antonio Howard. I didn't know who the heck she was talking about. I'm just listening to her ramble. I'm like, all right, yeah, cool. Because I get a lot of people who want something done, but they don't ever follow through. So and I'm just like, all right, yeah, cool, cool. Let me know. Like, you know, whatever. And so sure enough, Patrick Fisher hits me up like, hey, this lady Connie hit me up about this mural, wants to, uh, you know, get something done at down at the gas station. I'm like, oh, she was serious. I'm like, all right, whatever. Fast forward a little bit. We end up sitting down with Luther, Connie, and then me and uh, Antonio, the fellow artist, and then uh, Patrick Fisher. And we just get to hear Luther talk about his like his life. Mm-hmm. Mind you, he's 93. Mm-hmm. Sharp as a tack. If I put you on the phone with him right now, you would think you're talking to a 55, 60 year old man. Wow. He can recall anything from any point in his life and tell you it like it just happened 10 seconds ago. And I, the whole time he's talking, I'm like, I hope I'm a third of how sharp he is if I'm blessed enough to make it to 90. You know what I mean? Like he was so sharp, like crazy. It was the craziest thing to me. Like, 
But anyway, so, you know, by him telling us, you know, some of the major events in his life and us being provided pictures of him in his youth and him in the military and in the service and stuff, we pretty much, uh, you know, found the images that we wanted to reference from. And we pretty much just was like, hey, let's just make it like a timeline kind of thing. And then just highlight the major points in his life. And so me and Antonio did a mock-up of what we wanted to do. Um, there were still a couple areas of the wall that we weren't sure what we were going to do. But, you know, we figured it out as we were going. And that's kind of what I liked about it is the fact that we didn't have everything laid out completely. Um, and so, but every single day we were there, he was there sitting in a chair looking at the wall of us painting him. And he like, like I can only imagine being 90 something and you're, you have this a hundred and some odd foot wall, all of you. And yeah. he took it in every, he didn't miss a day, every day. Wow. That cold, raining, it didn't matter. He sat there and he just watched, he watched the whole thing from the time we set up for the most part until the time we set, we broke down and, and, and set up shop for the night and, and tore down. And it was just like the experience of getting to know him and his wife and then also me working with Antonio too, who is a prison artist. He was in, he was in prison for 20, 20 some odd years. And like his story alone. So I like, I learned so much from those three people in that month. It was crazy. It was, it was so crazy, but yes, that wall was a mess. Uh, they came, Erie Downtown Partnership came, uh, power washed the entire wall. Um, then we had a bunch of kids even come down and like other people in the community help us paint it all white. And then we went and started putting everything up, the images and everything. And it was every every day people would come and just stop by and just tell, tell us how great it looked and how they couldn't wait to see it finished. And we got a lot of positive feedback from the community. It was really nice. It was, it yes. was awesome. Because public art is important. Yes. It's really important. Very, it very. Makes it vibrant. And can you remind folks where that is? Where exactly they can look for that? Yes, it is on uh, 12th and French. The, the Sunoco gas station on 12th Street. Um, it's the And like when you're there, you can't miss it. We made sure we put some really nice, vibrant colors, you know, to catch your eye. But it's right between the Sunoco and the bank that's on the corner. Um, so it's the wall that separates those two. Yes. So if you're on if you're on 12th Street heading downtown, it's right before you get to State Street. Well, thank you so much for talking to us, Caesar. It, this has been like so exciting, inspiring, yes. energizing. Uh, so thank you so much for taking some time to oh, talk absolutely. to us. I feel like I've learned a lot and feel better as a human about where this world is going. Absolutely, for sure. Yes. I you guys having me um, and letting me share my story and hopefully it reaches, the, reaches someone and it does something for them. Um, but um, I really appreciate it. You guys have been great. Yes, and as an Erie native, I thank everybody who comes you know, uh, who comes to Erie and wants to make Erie a great place. So yeah. I appreciate you and I'm grateful for that. So we, we need that. We need more people who are excited about making our city better. For sure. Absolutely. Before you go, Caesar, where can people find you on the socials? Yes. Sure. Um, so my Instagram is uh, C underscore West 100. Um, and then my Facebook is, you know, Caesar Westbrook. Um, at Facebook. Um, and then I don't really have, I don't have like a Snapchat or anything. I just pretty much keep it Instagram and Facebook for the most part. Um, and then the links to my website, like, which is just like a purchase site is on both of those. So if you go in there, you can see 
all the like the shirts and like this the prints that I have of all of my art so all of my art I have prints uh, of those that can be yes. either framed or you know could just be given to you and as the print and you can frame it yourself um but um yeah the links to my site is there too but Instagram is mostly where you can find me I try to put up new content as much as possible I'll probably be putting up some new stuff this weekend that I just you know shipped out um so yeah nice yeah did you see Devonna trying to score a t-shirt when you were <laughs> like, oh, shit. I could see her like online shopping as it was like he's talking I, know, I was like okay the see west collections dot store envy dot com yeah I'm there like I need that shirt okay. <laughs> for real Thank all right yes much so support black artists that's all I have to say support so black artists please <laughs> You've been listening to the Our Eerie podcast, the voice of reason in the fog of post-industrial America. Next week, we're bringing you part one of our conversation with Karen Thomas, co-owner of Pineapple Eddie Southern Bistro. Continue the conversation at facebook.com slash Our Eerie series. This podcast is produced by John C. Lyons, Martin Wachuku, Devana Paisley, and Lydia Lee. Funding provided by Eerie Arts and Culture. Music by Corey Cook. We appreciate you for listening to the Our Eerie podcast. Peace.